Our scripture this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We're in chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Again, that's Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can open the Pew Bible. It's on page 1163 for you to read along with us. There it's written. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we, we're in this gospel fluency and, and, and working to understand gospel fluency. And so we did that in week one to understand what fluency looked like, what it means for our lives. And, it, and it's that we interpret everything that happens through the lens of the gospel. And then we spent time in what actually is the gospel. We, we condensed it down into four parts for us to actually help remember the true story, the, the creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. And then last week, we dipped into how the gospel uh, affects our lives. We looked at our own hearts and the way we live, and we realized and we understand that our actions, our decisions, our living is an overflow of what we love most in our hearts. Now, I do know this about us, that we are much more than just feeling people. We don't just make decisions based on what we feel. We are also a thinking group. We have a mind, and, and we, we like how we think, and we will put it to good use oftentimes. And, and it's important for us to, to then understand how to use our mind when, when thinking through the gospel, when living and making decisions, in that we are to use our mind to be able to distinguish between a truth and a lie. See, when I was a, a, a child, so if you don't know, I have an older sister. She is 13 months older than me. And, and the day I was brought home from the hospital, I'm told um, that she immediately decided to jump on me while I was laying defenseless as a newborn, right? And so sometime between there and now, when I was still young, my sister came up to me one day 
And she said, hey, Nate, hey, Nathan, did you know that there is an alligator that lives under your bed at night? And that this alligator, if your hand, your arm, your foot goes over the edge of your bed while you're sleeping, <laughs> chomps it off. I lived with that fear for more years than I would like to recount. Right? It, I mean, it was, it was a real fear. I, I would wake up in fear and sweats the moment my hand or my foot went over the edge of the bed, quickly recoiling back into my bed and taking time to calm down to go back to sleep. This was a real thing. And it, and it probably, I would like to say I got rid of it in high school, but was more likely in college when I had a roommate living with me to assure me there's no alligators under the bed. But it lasted a long time, and, and, it was, it, and it was just this little one time she said it. It was just once that she told me about it. I never, we never really talked about it again, but I, I lived with the fear of that lie all those years. And it, and it grew, and it grew, and, and it took time of, of knowing and, and telling myself the truth that there are no alligators under your beds. And then we moved to Florida, so there might be now. But there's no alligators living under our beds. And so it took some time telling the truth when I would wake up in fear to finally move past that. But you see that just like my sister used a, a lie to deceive me, those are Satan's tactics with us. The fancy word, the $10 word that you can use for this, it's called sophistry. Sophistry is, it means to use a false argument or fallacy with the intention of deceiving someone else. And so, and so Satan uses lies to deceive us. We see it from the very beginning of creation. That's where the fall comes in. Satan, the serpent, enters the story and he deceives Eve and Adam. We see it with Jesus when he spends 40 days and nights in the wilderness. That he tempts Jesus with lies and untruths. And so it is for us as well. And so when we get to those moments in our, in our lives where we're struggling with unbelief, that, that maybe we're in a moment where we're not believing the true things about God, it's because we're believing a lie instead of the truth. And so when we are called to use our mind to be able to make that distinguish. So how can we tell the difference between a truth and a lie? Well, first, as your pastor, I'm going to encourage you to stay within the Word of God. If you are within the Word of God daily, it is harder to be deceived by the devil. The other tool I'm going to give you, there's, there's three diagnostic questions you can really ask yourself when something comes up and you're trying to distinguish if that's a lie about God or if that's true about God. It, it, there's three questions. The first, is it, is it tearing God down or lifting him up? Is it tearing others down 
or is it lifting them up? And then finally, is it tearing yourself down or is it encouraging, meaning uplifting? Is it exhorting, meaning teaching you or is it equipping, which giving you the tools you need? See, Satan loves to use lies and accusations and and loves to, to try and push us into the temptations of our flesh. And Paul believes it's important for us to know the truth. He tells the Romans in chapter 12 that, that not only are we not to be conformed to this world, but we're to not be conformed to this world by the renewing of our mind, that we are to know the difference between the truth and a lie. And we know the truth lies within God. And so here, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he tells them that this battle isn't just an earthly battle. This is a spiritual warfare going on for your life. Spiritual warfare going on. And so Satan will use these lies, and, and, and we've heard them all before, and, and maybe you're struggling with them today. He'll say things like, God doesn't really love you. You know, that... That it, one, I, my family and I are in a season of struggling with right now is that uh, he's out to get you and doesn't really care all that much about what's happening in your life. That's a big one when we're in a storm. The, the disciples themselves felt that when they were in the storm in the boat with Jesus. Jesus is asleep, laying right there, and they go, do you not care about us? We feel that in the depths of our soul. And when we mess up, when we, when we sin, when we stumble and, 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 we, and we fall because, because that's what we do, he says, oh, you really messed up this time. You should be so ashamed of yourself that God will never take you on. You're such a loser. You will never amount to anything. Man, he's good at getting right into our crawl spaces, right? With just a little whisper to try and deceive us, to pull us away from God and the truth. And just like he did with Christ, he, he tries to tempt us too. When we try and deal things on our own, and, and, and he'll tell us things like, you know, one more drink, it, it will Make all your troubles go away. Or you know what? God knows that this is fun and enjoyable, and he just doesn't want you to have fun. So do it anyway, right? Because it's fun. Or you've worked hard. You deserve that. You, you deserve this or you deserve that. You deserve to be happy, or if it makes you feel good, here's a good one, if it makes you feel good, then it can't be wrong. You know, in this battle that we're in, that is Satan's attacking us and speaking these lies into our lives, he also finds some of our weaknesses, a weakness like anger. You know, James tells us to be uh, quick to listen and slow to anger. And so Satan knows that, that we can get a bit angry. Not only angry, but vengeful. 
God reminds us that vengeance is his, not ours. But, but the devil will whisper to us. He goes, go ahead. Say it. Say it. They deserve to suffer too. Or, or when we hear misinformation about someone, you know, gossip. And we know we shouldn't spread gossip, especially false gossip. But, but gosh, it makes us look so good and them so bad. And, 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 and he says, just say it anyway. They deserve to pay for what they've done to you. Satan is set out for our destruction. That's why it's so important for us to know the difference between a truth and a lie. It's why it's so important when, when you hear me say things like, what we need is to tell ourselves, to preach to ourselves the gospel daily. It's because there are moments in our lives where Satan is coming after us with lies from the pit of hell, and we need the truth of God to stand against it. That it's in those very moments that we need the gospel of Jesus most. And so we are to encourage ourselves, to exhort ourselves, to equip ourselves with the truth of God. See, Paul tells us that in this battle, in this war, to, to put on armor. He says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. Paul tells us this is not a battle we can win on our own, but we need the power of God with us. And he'll remind the Romans in chapter 8 that for those who are in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And you can use the power of the Spirit to put sin to death, to push away those lies that Satan has you believing. In another place, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he tells them that and encourages them to take their thoughts captive. Think about that for a moment, to take your, your thoughts captive. Sometimes my mind will just run wild and I'll end up in a place with a question like, are there more doors or wheels in the world? Yeah, are, are there more doors or wheels in the world? And, and I will be gone for a long time. But Paul tells us to take our thoughts captive. And that means all our thoughts. When we're going off in, in, into, into semantics over doors and wheels and when we're hearing and starting to believe lies and not the truth. That we can hold on to them, to diagnose them, and to take the lies and discard them. See, that one little lie my sister told me had a giant impact over more of my life than it ever should have. And it's okay, because it was funny. But it took reminding myself of the truth, not just once, not twice, but consistently and constantly to move past that lie. And that was just an alligator under 
we're talking about lies from Satan and the truths from God. So Paul tells us that we have an armor, not of our own making, but of God, from God, a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, shoes of readiness with the gospel of peace, a shield of faith to thwart the flaming darts of evil, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the revealed truth of God to us. So that when we find ourselves in those moments of unbelief, we can capture these thoughts. Now I want to show you what that actually looks like. Uh, go ahead and show it, Charlie. So here's a, it, there's a handout. So if you didn't get one of these, there's a two-sided tree handout. I know you're, you're going to have a hard time reading this up on the screen um, I'm going to have a hard time doing that as well. So if you didn't get one of these, there's some at the doors and the exits as we leave. So on the left-hand side over there, so we call this the fruit-to-root exercise. This is how we capture our thoughts. Uh, the, so on the left-hand side, we, you start with these lies that we have, you know, or these feelings, a desire for control or anxiety. And, and so when we have that, well, what is it that then we are believing about who we are? If I have this desire for control or this anxiety in my life, well, I must not be in control, but I believe I have to be. That's a big one for us here in the United States. That's a huge one. So what does that mean that God has done? And so if we believe we need to be in control, what does it mean that we believe about God? It means that obviously he's stopped loving us, that, that we know that we believe he's lost control of what's going on. He's abandoned us. Well, if we believe that about what he's done, then who is God? Well, he's unloving, he's impotent, and he's absent. See, this is how we capture that lie. See how that lie manifests itself into this awful rooted tree here? And so when we capture our thoughts and we capture that lie, we can repent from it. So we can turn away from it. And when you go to the other tree on the right-hand side or on the back, we go from the root up to the fruit. So first we traced the fruit down to the root, and now we go from the root back to the fruit. So, so we turn, and we know that's not true about God. We know that, in fact, he is loving, that he is powerful, that he is in control, and yes, he is ever-present in our lives. Okay, so we know that about God. So we know that's the truth. Now we can say, well, what has God done? Quite simply, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, proving he loves us. Well, if that's who God is and that's what he's done, then who am I? I'm loved. I'm not alone. I am more than a conqueror through him. Right? So now we just took that bad fruit. We traced it down to its bad root and we're discarding it. And we go to the true root of God, to the truth found in him. And we will find ourselves in the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. This is part of what it means to be fluent in the gospel in your own life. This is what it means to capture our thoughts and hold them captive. 
This is what it looks like to have our minds renewed by Christ. So that we know that what is really true is that God is perfect. That God does love you. That he's powerful and he's mighty. He's alive and present in every part of your life. And hear me on this one, that God is not against you. No matter what the devil tries to tell you, God is not against you. And it's with the true of the gospel that we will combat the lies of Satan. Amen? Amen.